0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 24th, 2018, we continue our series titled Ephesians Made Worthy, Walk Worthy. Today's sermon, How to Have a Godly Marriage, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Laker of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Enjoy! Enjoy! In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. We're going to finish up chapter 5 today, hit chapter 6 in a couple weeks, and then it's, uh, we're, going to, we're going to finish out from there. We've kind of structured the whole book, and you could say in two phrases, made worthy, walk worthy, right? The first three chapters of the book is kind of doctrine, it's, it's who is God, who are we, and then the second half, chapters 3 through 6, is how then are we supposed to live our life Now, up to this point, we've kind of been discovering how should we interact with one another in the church? How are Christians supposed to treat Christians? We kind of make a little turn today, and we start focusing in on the home. How are we supposed to treat each other in the home? Now, this week, we're going to look at marriage, the marriage relationship, the covenant between one man and one woman, defined as, as God has it in his scriptures, what that's supposed to look like. You'll even see in your outline today, I give a very catchy um, title to the sermon this morning that says how to have a godly marriage. I'm a how-to guy. I just want to know how I'm supposed to do it then I can do it um, and I hope that's what we can find this morning is how to have a godly marriage. Now if you've been around for the last couple of months we like to do some fun stuff on Mother's Day and Father's Day where we have the um, the newest moms and we don't say the oldest moms we say the most experienced moms Um, And then we have them stand up, and then we honor them. We do the same thing with dads. We have the newest dads stand up, and then the most experienced dads stand up, and then we honor them as well. What I would love to do today, not to idolize marriage, but to honor marriage, is to ask some couples who've been married for a really, really, really long time to stand up, just so we can applaud for you. You can be identified, and then a bunch of people might offer you free lunch. So here's where I want to start. If you've been married for 40 years or longer, would you stand All right, how about this? If you've been married 45 years or longer, you can remain standing. 50 years. 55? 60 years. How long have y'all been married right here? 63 years. Is that the... Back here. They almost made a 64. She got tired of him and killed him. Right there. I'm sick of him. (laughs) I hope to get there someday. Not to where my spouse is trying to kill me. To the place where... You're married for a really, really, really long time where you can know someone so uniquely, where you can know someone so preciously, where you can care for someone so tenderly because that's what we see with these couples who have been married and together for this long. It's the picture of marriage that God wants us to have. Now, here's the deal. We're looking at a passage this morning. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage that shows us how we are supposed to be married to each other. It shows us wives are supposed to do this, husbands, husbands, are supposed to do this. Now what was meant for good, um, as, as oftentimes happens, has been used for evil and this beautiful passage that we're going to look at has actually been used as a tool for abuse. Our passage starts to says, wives then submit to your husbands. It does not say women submit to men as some might have it say. Maybe even just talking about marriage this morning, you're a bit uncomfortable because chances are we are all over the place this morning. Some of you are experts in marriage, like you should literally be up here teaching right now because you have more to say about it than I do. Some of you are about to call it quits. You threw around the divorce word last night and you're here this morning just to see if there's still hope. Some of you are here without your spouse because your spouse refuses to come to church. There's some of you who are trapped in abusive relationships, whether that's verbal, sexual, emotional, or physical. Some of you are facing infidelity and adultery issues and you're just trying to get through. Some of you have lost that loving feeling and some of you have had the loving feeling stolen by your children. Some of you are wanting to turn to your spouse now and just say, hey bub, listen up. (laughs) Like elbow locked and loaded and you already see that thing out of the corner of your eye, right? Some of you are single and you're hoping to someday get married. Some of you have been married and you've gone through divorce. We're all over the place. But here's the deal. The encouragement that Paul offers us this morning in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 33 is for everyone. So let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. I'm going to read it. Um, And then we'll pray, but we're actually going to pray together a bit differently this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church And gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, let's do this. Before I pray real quick, if you are here with your spouse today, would you just grab their hand? Let's pray together. God, thank you for marriage. God, it's difficult at times, but it's beautiful. God, we're grateful for a relationship in which we can be so uniquely known that the good things, the bad things, the beautiful things, the ugly things, everything about us can be known by our spouse. God, this morning we ask for your help because both of the roles here are difficult. It's difficult for a wife to submit to her husband and it's difficult for a husband to love with the same regard that you love your church. So God, we ask for your help this morning because we know we cannot do it by yourself and on our own. God, bless these marriages. Would you challenge them? Would you strengthen them today, God? Would those who are looking to call it quits, who think they're too far gone, would you give them that extra dose of courage and compassion today, God, that they would push through? God, help our marriages reveal the gospel as you says it's supposed to. Help us love our spouse, and in doing so, would you help us love you the way you want us to love you. God, thank you for who you are. Bless our time together today. Be glorified in everything said and done in this place tonight. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through twenty through 36. We're going to start with the wives. Even in in talking through this, I I so much just wanted to kind of make this as soft as possible and say, well, let's start with the men. Okay, because if the men could accomplish his role, then surely the woman would want to accomplish her role. Here's the deal. I think there's a reason Paul writes things the way he writes things, and I think there's a reason God structures things the way that God structures things. So in order for me to be honest um, and accurate and truthful to what the Bible says, I just want to walk through it. So let's start with wives, not because I think that's where we need to start as men, or anything like that, but just because that's where the Bible starts. So I'm just going to tell you what God said. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit. As we said before, this verse has been used for a lot of abuse towards a lot of women. But here's what this verse has nothing to do with. This verse has nothing to do with the workplace. This verse in context has nothing to do with a dating relationship. Um, girlfriends, do not submit to your boyfriends because you not belong to your boyfriend. You belong to your daddy. Okay, so you don't do what that boy says. You are under your father's authority. My two-year-old daughter better be listening. In this context, submission has nothing to do with roles and functions in the church. In this context, it has nothing to do with who is more or less gifted. I think many of men in the church today would say, my wife is far more gifted than I am. It has nothing to do with intelligence. I think many men in the church would be wise to say that my wife is far more intelligent than I am. In this context, submission has nothing to do with who is more emotionally balanced. Why? Because most men just suppress everything and pretend to not feel. So I'm glad it doesn't come down to that either. What this comes down to is the roles that God has given us to fulfill the purpose we have in marriage. And the role of the wife, according to the text, is that wives should submit to their husbands. Now let me give you four things this does not mean, and then two things that it does. The first thing this does not mean, it does not mean that a wife is unequal. It does not mean that a wife is unequal. I think this is perhaps the biggest misunderstanding of them all. That somehow role and function negate equality, but it doesn't. Role and function don't negate equality. We we, we remain equal. Look at John chapter 13. Jesus takes up the towel and cleans the poop off of his disciples' feet. In that moment, was Jesus unequal? Was he less than? No, he showed strength, he was still God. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, the word was with God in the beginning. John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh. That's Jesus. Fast forward to the garden of Eden. What does Jesus pray? Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus and the father equal. But guess what? Jesus submitted his will to the father. Were they unequal? Never. Not at all. Roles and function do not mean we are unequal. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter three, Verse 20, 28, he said this, he said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Okay, these are big distinctions, by the way. These are the things that caused people to fight. There was neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female. And he says, you're one. You're all one in Christ Jesus. There, there's not all the differences. We are equal. Are, are we the same? no. We are not, we are like apples to rocks, not even apples to oranges. We're very different, but we're equal. What does submission not mean? Submission does not mean that the wife is unequal. Secondly, what does submission not mean? It does not mean that a wife must always agree with her husband. It does not mean that a wife must always agree with their husbands. In Acts chapter 5, we have Peter and the other apostles, they're out sharing the gospel. And what do the Jewish authorities say? They say, You must stop preaching Jesus. They have a choice honor Jesus or honor the authorities. And this is Peter's response in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, He said, We must obey God rather than men. We must. It's not even a choice, it's not even an option. Wives, I hope there's no situation in your life where you're feeling like your, your husband is forcing you to go against things that the Bible says you should and should not do. But listen, your first obligation, your first love, your first priority is always Jesus. We've had people in the church talk about having open relationships and how there are certain times of the year when, when the husband can go do his thing and the wife can go do his things. No! No! Wives, if you feel like your um, husband is pressuring you to cheat on your taxes or fudge the numbers in your book or whatever it might be, your first responsibility is to God. God. You must obey him before you obey anyone else. Submission does not mean a wife must always agree with her husband. Thirdly, it does not mean a wife does not have influence over her husband. Submission does not mean a wife doesn't have influence over her husband. 1 Peter one, he actually says the exact opposite. He says, likewise, wives, be subject. Okay, so there's this word again, submit. Subject, be submit to who? Your own husbands. We're gonna see this as a big deal, by the way. Um, Hey, wife, if you're not my wife, you are not subject to me. Okay, you submit to your husband. And husband, if someone is trying to assert their masculinity and dominance to make your wife submit to them, you better find out, step in, step up, and do something. Because it's not right. Here's what he says, be subject to your own husband, So that even if some do not obey the word, okay, if you've got a guy, a husband in your life who, who does not want to obey, does not know Jesus, does not love, love the Lord, does not honor God. Here's what he says. They may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. This, this word winning, that's influence. That's influence. A wife possesses the power to win her husband to Jesus. Submission does not mean you lack influence. Submission actually means you should use your role to influence him towards godliness. You are not less than, you're equal, and you should be using your equality to influence him towards love in the Lord. Number four, it does not mean a wife should ever live in fear of her husband. This does not mean a wife should ever live in fear of her husband. 1 John chapter four, verse 18 says this, there is no love in fear, There's no fear in love. There is no fear in love. This, of course, is talking about our, the love Jesus has towards us. Why should we not have an, an, an unhealthy fear of the Lord? Why? Because there's, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Um, ladies, wives, listen. If you are in a place... Um, And even right now, perhaps you feel uncomfortable, perhaps you feel unsafe because your husband is with you even now and he's abusing you and beating you, uh, whether it's physically, emotionally, verbally, sexually, whatever it might be, you feel even now like you can't say something because he's with you. In a room this side, studies would show that upwards of 18% of women, even in the church in a marriage relationship, are facing physical abuse in their marriage. In a room like this, that's around 60 of you. So listen, if that's you and if that's you're here, we are here for you. We're here for you. If you need help, let us help you. If you need a place to stay, we'll help you with the place to stay. If someone needs to talk to your husband, we will gladly talk to your husband. I don't mean this in like a physical beat-em-up type of thing. At least not inside the church, I don't mean that. (laughs) I don't, I don't... I don't mean to make light of it, but but if you need help, we're here to help you. You can come tell a pastor. If you feel uncomfortable um, telling a pastor, our women's ministry director, Pam Phillips, would love to talk to you and would love to provide you the help and assistance that you need. Hear me, we're here, we love you. Submission does not mean a wife should ever have to live in fear. What then is submission? What does submission mean? Dr. John Piper, here's his definition. I love it, so I stole it. It says this, submission is the divine calling of a wife. It's two part. The divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership. That's the first part. Honor and affirm his leadership. And then secondly, help him carry it through according to her gifts. First part, honor and affirm her husband's leadership. And then secondly, help him carry it through according to her gifts. So let's pick it up in our passage. Verse 23, we're going to see this idea of affirming leadership. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, this word head, if you're a a Bible word circler, you can go ahead and circle that. It's the word kephale, it means head. Now, every time you go back through ancient times and read manuscripts and you see the word head, um, the person who's in position A as head over position B is always in authority over. Okay, so what is the Bible talking about? The Bible says the husband is the authority of the wife. It's the way that God has organized and structured our relationships. The husband is the head of the wife. Now, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should should submit in everything to their husbands. The husband's the head. The husband is the leader. You remember that game, growing up, follow the leader? Remember that? Remember that? Um, It was always fun and innocent in the beginning. And then there's always some rambunctious child along the way who decides that once he gets to the front, it means they're going through the mud and over barbed wire. Right? Because we're going to see just how well everyone can follow. Now here's the deal, fellas, husbands. uh, your, Your wife and your kids are following you. One of my friends have said, you are the leader. You are either leading them towards Christ or you're leading them to oblivion. The choice is yours. My fear is that all too frequently we forget to look back and actually see where we've taken our family because if I think back and we looked at our history, there would be some mud and there'd be some razor wire because we haven't always done the best job of leading our spouse and leading our family. The husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the head of the home. The husband is the authority of his family. Now, I, what I love about this passage is that God doesn't say, that means you must do this, okay? This, that means the husband must manage the checkbook. That means the wife must be naked and in the kitchen. <laughs> nah. Oh, no, it doesn't say any of that. What he says is wife submits to husband, the rest, y'all figure that out. Guess who balances the checkbook in my house? My wife, because I'm an idiot. And and no, that does not mean I'm naked and in the kitchen. Get her out of here. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Sometimes. Just kidding. This is getting awkward fast. Those things are left up for you to figure out in your home. Okay, but the wife should submit to the authority of the husband. Let me tell you what this looks like in our home. If you were to ask my wife, what does it mean for Thomas to lead your family? What does it look like for him to be the authority? She would tell you um, that big decisions ultimately rest on my shoulders. And then I get to bear the burden and consequences of those decisions. I will tell you, there's only been a handful of very, very, very large decisions we've had to make. And we've come to a mutual agreement on all of them except for one. And in that one decision, it was eight years ago about me interning in a church in the valley wanting to hire me. And my wife was like, that sounds amazing. That is so cool. You could be like chaplain with the coyotes and you could be with like the sport. And I love sports. And all of these things sounded wonderful. And I felt wrong. My wife said yes. I said no. She said, whatever it is, babe, I trust you. It's your decision. live with my decision I like you guys so I think this is working out like this is pretty fun you don't gotta it looks like that big decisions ultimately rest on my shoulders that does not mean I don't consult her it means I consult her all the time because she's a brilliant woman of God and I'd be stupid to not listen secondly I'm the primary, primary disciplinarian that means if my kids have really messed some stuff up guess who gets to deal with it this guy Um, Thirdly, it looks like me being the spiritual leader in our home. It's just the role she has given me. I I need you to be that, so that's what I do. Now, does it mean my wife can't make decisions? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean my wife isn't allowed to discipline? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean um, your wife can't tell Bible verses to your kids? It doesn't mean any of that. It just means she looks to me as the leader of our home. That's the first part, submitting and acknowledging and affirming the leadership and authority of your husband. Secondly, it looks like this. Helping and supporting him. Helping and supporting him. Genesis 2, 18, we have it up on the screen for you. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now keep in mind, this is before anything went wrong. This is before sin. This is before any of that. Perfect world. Perfect world. God says to the man that guy needs help so he makes a helper and his spouse fellas look at me real quick say I need help no like really say it I need help okay now look to your spouse and tell your spouse I need your help does that feel weird? you do you need her help. God has given you a helper in your wife. What does this look like? Well, in our home, I um, uh, found out the things that we often compete about are actually the things God has put in our life to complete and complement us. Um, my wife and I did the whole spiritual gifts test thing a few weeks ago to see where we were at and everything. My top three um, were, were teaching, preaching, pastor. My very last one was administration. Guess what her very first one was? Administration. Guess what her last three were? teaching, preaching, pastor. Okay, so things that would cause us to fight, guess what, God? He's actually put those in place for what? To fulfill us and complete us and complement us. My life would be a mess without my wife. She completes me. It's perfect. We did the whole love languages thing. I'm a physical touch words of affirmation guy. She's acts of service and quality time. We don't speak the same love language. We did the whole Dave Ramsey thing. I am a free spirit and she's a nerd. Okay, we did the whole, which animal personality test are you? I'm a happy-go-lucky golden retriever. She's a beaver. (laughs) Okay, so there's all of these things that could cause competition, and we could fight and fight and fight and fight. But when we look at our spouse and receive them and say, God, you've gifted me with such a helper in my spouse. Thank you for rounding me out in a way I couldn't do myself. That's the second thing that wives are supposed to do. They're supposed to help and support. Let's talk to husbands. Husbands, here's your role. Husbands should love their wives. Husbands should love their wives. Verse 25 says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her." It's funny, in all of the passages dealing with husbands and wives, husbands are always told to love and wives are never told to love. Husbands, love You get this Titus passage where it says that the women are supposed to teach the younger women to love phileo, their husbands and their children. It's the same as saying like. Husbands, how many of you know that your wife loves you? Yeah. Are there days when you feel like she doesn't really like you? Sure there are. Wives are told to submit and respect. Husbands are told to give love sacrificially. It's that agape word. And then Paul tells us, what does this look like? How did Jesus give himself for the church? If husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church, how did Jesus love the church? Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. How did Christ love his church? He died for her, he pursued her, he cherished her, he nourished her, he prayed for her, he loved her, he cared for her. All of these things Christ has done for the church. Verse 28 then, Paul says, in the same way, okay, just as Christ loved the church, husbands, that's your model of love for your wife. Total self-sacrifice and servanthood. Till the end of your days, that is how we're supposed to love our spouse. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So what does that look like practically? How should a husband love their wife? Let me give you seven, okay? And shoot for one, and that will be a good day. How should a husband love their wife? They should love their wife sacrificially. They should be constantly giving of themself. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You ought to sacrifice yourself for your wife. Some of you wives say that would be the greatest thing he could do. He could just get out of my hair sacrifice himself right now. <laughs> Number two, how should husbands love their wives? Well, how did Jesus love his wife? He served her. He served her. Mark chapter 10, 45. We have it up on the screen for you. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for money. F- for many, fellas, your day does not stop when you get home. Your day of hard work does not stop when you get home. You should get home, love your wife, serve your wife. Honey, what can I do? How can I help? What do you need? How was your day? Get home and serve and love your bride. And if you go to bed exhausted at the end of the day and your feet hurt, then you've done it the right way. Number three, how did Christ love his church and how should a husband love his wife? He should be selfless towards her. Philippians chapter two, verses three through five, up on the screen again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Honey, do you know how I think I could really love you? If I bought you a boat. <laughs> nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Fellas, are you constantly thinking how to love your wife? How can I love her today? How can I cherish her today? How can I give her what she wants? How can I give her what she needs? That's the biblical role of a husband, complete and utter selflessness. Number four, how else did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church unconditionally. How then should a husband love his wife? A husband should love his wife unconditionally. Romans chapter eight, verses 38 and and 39 says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, And in case Paul forgot anything, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you can do, Christian, to make Jesus not love you. Husbands, does your wife know that about your love? Does she know that if she were to fail you, if she were to speak an unkind word, if she were to somehow mess things up at the house, does she know without a doubt, that at the end of the day, you will still love her. That's the love of a husband. The love of a husband is unconditional. Fifth thing, a husband should love with tender authority. Colossians 3, verse 19. I don't they're gone. Husband says this, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And do not be harsh with them. And do not be harsh with them. them. Don't be harsh with them. Don't be harsh. I've realized that me being harsh in, in, towards my wife looks like this. My wife will ask her a question and say, Hey, baby, do you want her to do this later? And I'll say, Nope. It's harsh. It's rude. It's cutting her down, not allowing her to be heard and validated or anything like that. I cut her down. That means I'm done, this conversation's over. I want nothing to do with what you have to say. Nope, it's wrong. Husbands, love them and do not be harsh with them. Verse 29 says this, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body Nourish. What does that mean? It literally means bring up from childhood. A husband is to nourish his wife. A husband is to mature his wife. A husband is to create an environment in his home and in his family where his wife can flourish in her faith. Husbands, I think if you had an honest conversation with your wife and said, honey, do you feel like that? Do you feel free? Do you feel like you can flourish? Do you feel like you can grow into the woman that God has you to be in our home? I think you'd be surprised by her answer, and many of them would say, not all the time. Yet that's the love we're commanded with which to love our spouse. We should nourish them, treat them like a beautiful, beautiful flower. He also says cherish. It's this idea of protecting. Husbands, let me ask you a question. Does your wife feel more safe when you come home or when you leave? Does your presence bring the sense of calm and the sense of peace and the sense of protection and safety? Or when you come through the door, do your kids say, hey, dad's home, stop, stop, dad's home, dad's home. Husbands need to cherish their wife, why? Because Christ cherished His church. Verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, get this. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What? This mystery is profound. What's this mystery? This mystery of a man and a woman being joined into one flesh. One union, one person. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Okay, in the same way that Christ came and rescued his people and brought us all together, that's what marriage is supposed to look like. It is supposed to be a perfect image of the gospel. It's supposed to be God's grace and goodness and mercy on display for the world to see. Some have said God doesn't exist to make your marriage great, but your marriage exists to express the greatness of God. Let me say it again. God does not exist to make your marriage great. Your marriage exists to express the greatness of God. Does your marriage put the gospel on display for the world to see? That's its purpose, that people would see your relationship and see the love of Christ, to see compassion, to see forgiveness, to see mercy, to see grace between two people who profess Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul then ends with this in verse 33. However then... Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here's the kicker. After the longest teaching on marriage in the entire Bible, he boils it down to this. Wives, respect your husband. Husbands, love your wives. I want to close with a couple of pictures from a really great book called Love and Respect. It's by a guy named Dr. Emerson Egerix. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, um, but check him out. The book is called Love and and respect and he has a couple of these cycles that he deals with all based on ephesians chapter 5 verse 33 check this out this is up on the screen this is called this crazy cycle um and i think all of you know what this feels like in your marriage and here's how this works um husband has a bad day so how does he react without love and because she's been treated without love how does she react Uh Uh-oh, I see what's happening here. She responds without respect. And because the man feels disrespected, how does he respond? He responds without love. And then because he's responded without love, how is she going to respond? Well, she's going to respond without respect. And this is the cycle we find ourselves in our marriage over and over and over again. Maybe I'd give him the respect he deserved if he gave me the love I deserved. Well, maybe I'd give her the love she deserved if she gave me the respect I deserved. Here's the deal. Someone's got to get off the cycle. Okay, be the bigger person and just do it this morning. The second thing he says, yes, he this energizing cycle, and it's the exact opposite. Fellas, your love for your wife will motivate respect. Wives, the respect you have for your husband will motivate love. It's the way God has designed us, it's the way God has wired us, and this is why he says these things. Husbands, just love your wife. Wives, respect them, and this will work out the way it's supposed to. Let me talk to husbands once more. Husbands, many of you think you've been leading your wife when in reality this morning, maybe you're recognizing you're dominating your wife. You have not been leading your home in a way that's loving, that's gracious, that's kind, but rather that's harsh, that's brash, that's rude, and you've been a bully. There's some of you on the other end of the spectrum where you haven't even led, you haven't even dominated, you've just completely deferred all leadership and authority to your wife. That's also wrong. You are the head of your home. You are the head of your wife. Lead her as Christ led and loved his church. Wives, uh, maybe you're in a different boat this morning. Maybe you understand a little bit, and and you think, um, you get it, he's supposed to be a leader, but if he only would act like it, maybe I'd follow. I think that's where many of you are at this morning, and frankly, I think he might need your help if you want him to do that. Would you be so kind to your husband in the coming days, if you feel like he's been falling short, to say, babe, you know, I love it when you pray with me, I love it, I need that. Babe, I love when you encourage me. I love when you text me a little Bible verse. I, I love that. I need that. Help them out, and this relationship might be able to be where it's supposed to be. Uh, I'm gonna ask the band to come back up because uh, we're gonna close our service a bit differently this morning. Our, our first love, don't, don't get me wrong, if, if, if you're trying to have a great marriage and you want Christ at the center of your marriage, that's not gonna happen until he's first center in your life. Okay, so if you're in a place this morning where you and Jesus haven't really been um, together lately, haven't been talking, haven't been dialoguing, haven't had a great relationship, I'd ask you to get that right this morning before you try to get the relationship with your spouse right, because it's not gonna work until you're right with Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna ask you one more time, husbands and wives, would you grab a hand, Um, and we're actually gonna give you one minute to pray with each other. Rather than me praying for you, I know some of you, this feels weird. God, we're going to pray? I don't know how to do that. Then just be real. Say, God, I'm not, I'm not the best at this. Help me. And that's your prayer. It's done. Would you pray that God would rightly be situated on the center of your life before he's rightly situated at the center of your marriage? Wives, would you pray that God would help you submit and help your husband? Husband, would you pray that God would help you love your wife the way that Christ loves you? his church. Go ahead, take one minute, turn to your spouse, pray together, and then I'm going to come back and lead us through communion. God, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you that you've given us the example, that you've given us the roles. God, would you help us fulfill those roles adequately in our home? God, for the men, I ask that you would help them rise up and stand up and be the leader of their home. God, that they would love their wives ferociously and fiercely. God, that they'd pursue them, they'd care for them, they'd nurture them, nourish them, that they'd cherish them, protect them, God, that they'd love them, that they'd be the example in the home, that they'd be the ones who lead them towards deeper relationship in your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you so much for our wives, the people you've put in our life to help us the most. God, would we stop competing with each other through petty things, but would we recognize that you have put us in each other's lives to complete and complement one another, to accomplish the mission of marriage, which is to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. God, when people see marriages at Highlands Church, would they see Jesus? Would they see the gospel? Would they see love? Would they see forgiveness? Would they see grace? God, and because of those things, would many, many people respond towards saving faith in your son, Jesus Christ. God, you're so good to us. We understand what we're supposed to do, but we need your help. So Holy Spirit, would you help us accomplish these things? In Christ's name we pray, amen. We're gonna take communion. Um, If the people are gonna serve us, I'd invite you to go ahead and stand uh, and pass those plates around. I'll be back up in just a couple minutes to lead us through. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples and they were enjoying a meal during the meal he took some bread and he broke it and he stopped and looked at them and said this is my body broken for you would you do this in remembrance of me the same way he stopped and took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood And as often as you drink it would you drink it in remembrance of me Christ, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the model of love, and servanthood, and humility you've given us to follow. God, we ask that we would emulate that in every regard of our marriage relationship. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. We love you. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Just stand and join us as we commit our lives, commit our marriages to Him. You put Jesus Christ at the center of your life and would you put him rightly where he deserves at the center of your marriage so that the world would see Jesus in us. We love you guys. We'll see you.